Hey y'all, it's me, John, the host of this podcast. So um, I recorded this episode kind of earlier than I've been recording a lot of these lately. Um, and a story broke after I recorded this that was so big that I wanted to just throw this in here right at the beginning and then we'll get to the actual episode that I recorded. Um, this is really cool and honestly, I haven't seen it uh, being covered very much yet. It is fairly new. But um, so uh, yesterday on Thursday, um, Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, met with uh, Joe Biden and a lot of other world leaders to discuss world leadery things. But before the meeting happened, the president signaled that China will actually be sending new panda bears to the United States, calling them envoys of friendship between the Chinese and American peoples. He went on to say, we are ready to continue our cooperation with the United States on panda conservation and do our best to meet the wishes of the Californians so as to deepen the friendly ties between our two peoples. Uh, this was very unexpected and surprising news to the panda-loving people in the world, especially um, those who just uh, saw the National Zoo pandas go back home to China. And um, uh, President Jinping actually said that um, seeing the reaction to that made him want to make this statement. So I thought that was pretty darn cool. It did mention, like I said, that um, specifically he was mentioning California, which makes me think that maybe the San San Diego Zoo will be getting pandas back again. And uh, while nothing has come out from the San Diego Zoo officially, I did talk to a couple of people that I know with some connections there who said, yeah, they're coming back. So um, that's not an official announcement. Those people could be wrong. Those people could have read the same article that I read about the uh, president of China saying this. But um. He did say it, and I think that is pretty darn exciting. So we'll be keeping an eye on that and see uh, see what happens. Uh, but yeah, all right. Very cool, very exciting stuff. And let's get to the actual episode now. Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rasafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. Y'all, I am recording this episode uh, fairly late in the evening in a hotel room in Roanoke, Virginia, because I have been on the road doing some podcast stuff that you'll be hearing more about soon. Um, and since it's late, uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking a little quietly. Uh, we'll make sure that you can hear it fine. But if my voice sounds a little different to you, that is why. Just think of this as my late night radio voice. I'm coming to you with all all of the hits of love. So for all you lovers out there, get ready for 
well, Zoo News. Um, yeah, no, but uh, it's it's been a really fun day, y'all, and I promise you'll hear more about why in an upcoming special episode. But um, I also have to tell y'all that uh, I recently got to go and visit Reptiland again. I had not been there since recording my episodes from there, and... Um, Man, I love that zoo. If you haven't checked out those episodes yet with Catherine Allen and Clyde Peeling and all these amazing people, you need to go back and find those and listen because they are just fabulous. Um, But it's just a cool little mostly reptile-based zoo. And uh, this time I got to go to a lot of the the behind-the-scenes areas and just kind of hang out with some cool animals. And the best part of this was, this wasn't for the podcast. This was just because I reached out to Catherine and said, hey, I was going to be driving by. Could I stop? And um, she turned it into quite the adventure for me. So Catherine, thank you for that. And uh, it was really cool that, you know, she told Clyde that I was going to be there and Clyde wanted to talk to me. And the three of us just sat around chatting for a while. And honestly, I kind of wish I could have had a microphone there because I think y'all would have really enjoyed it. It was just fun to be like, I don't know, it's... I guess I should stop being surprised that I'm like a part of this zoo community, but it still feels really special every time it happens. Uh, And so I'm really grateful that I got to do that. And the coolest part of it all is that I got to meet Thanos. Now, I don't expect everybody who listens to remember every story, so let me tell you who Thanos is in case you forget, but Thanos appeared in Zoo News a couple of times. Thanos uh, is a small alligator who first appeared in Zoo News because he was found by workers at a sewage treatment plant after somebody had apparently gotten Thanos as a pet, decided that was a bad idea, and so like flushed him down the toilet. Thanos should not have survived, but instead he did, was found by the workers at the sewage treatment plant and uh, taken to a rehab who then sent him to his forever home at Reptiland. And that alone uh, made for a second great story because I was just so excited to have heard this this sad tale of this, this alligator, but how he, he thrived and survived. And then to hear that he was going to a facility that I loved made me really happy. And um, so, yeah, this is now the third time I'm mentioning this little gator in Zoo News. But this time it's only to announce that I got to hang out with him. And, y'all, he is absolutely as cool as can be. Uh, I think uh, I had stories up about it on Insta, but I'll I'll try to remember to post something again uh, when this drops so that y'all can see Thanos and me hanging out, me and my buddy Thanos. Uh, For those of you who are Marvel fans, that's that's kind of a weird sentence to say, but yeah. Um, So again, thank you to everyone at uh, Reptile Land for that incredible, incredible experience. And while we're saying thanks to people, I also want to say thank you to my Red Panda Level patron, Dr. Lara Shank and her family. Uh, They recently hosted me for like dinner and a hang. And like, look, Lara and I are friends. This wasn't just some weird podcastal thing. But um, 
I don't know. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to hang out with the family and get to to talk about just their lives and and my life as a musician and as a podcaster and um, look at some of the incredible uh, wildlife and zoo animal photographs that Laura has taken. And it was just a really good time. Plus, they know that I like Indian food, so they treated me to an incredible Indian meal. So I just wanted to say thank you to the Shank family. It was a really good time. And um, I think that's enough on the updates from me. So let's get to... So as we normally do, we're going to start off with our births and deaths, and uh, we're going to start with a super exciting story out of Cleveland. Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo has announced the birth of a male koala joey named Bulu. The birth was to mom Mackenzie and dad Nyunbi, and it's believed that the joey was born back on March 20th, but being a marsupial, Bulu moved to mom's pouch. Or, since this is an Aussie animal, I guess I should say mum's pouch, where movements were first observed on May 30th. So Bulu is now out of the pouch and clinging to mum and is visible to those who visit at the Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. So I highly recommend you check that out. The Jacksonville Zoo has announced the birth of three Malayan tiger cubs, tiglets. So far, mom is being very caring and doing a great job raising the little ones on her own, so the care team is observing through cameras, but leaving the family alone. Follow the Jacksonville Zoo on socials for updates as the tiglets grow. Our friends at the Brevard Zoo in Florida recently announced the birth of 12 Perdido Key Beach Mouse Pups. Mouselets! These are not animals you will see on display, but are part of a breeding and reintroduction program the zoo has been hosting for a decade in order to help save this endangered species. Uh, Perdido Key Beach mice are very important pollinators and are very, very cool animals. And um, they're one of those species, we've talked about this before, but I've actually gotten to go to some of the behind the scene facilities at uh, different zoos in Florida that are raising these re-releasable populations. Um, and, you know, they're, they're mice, so they're not in super fancy exhibits, and they're usually in buildings that are not set up for, like, public viewing. They are very functional, and sometimes it's amazing to just go back to these rooms where, you know, the entire hope of a species is resting in a couple of these rooms, and they're just... They're just small rooms with with little, you know, in this case, uh, containers of mice. It's it's really cool to see, and it's it's something that zoos just do so well. The Columbus Zoo has announced the birth of five Chinese crocodile lizards. Now, these animals are currently off exhibit, where they will live until they are able to eat independently. Um, I really love Chinese crocodile lizards, so I'm really excited about this birth. And also, since a lizard is in the name of the species, their official juvenile name on the Rossafari podcast will be Chinese crocodile lizlets. Lizlets. I love this so much. 
The Denver Zoo has announced the birth of Campbell, a skunk that is in training to be an ambassador animal at the zoo. Now, Campbell was not actually born at the Denver Zoo. Uh, He was originally born at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo before being moved to Denver. And uh, the best part of this story to me is that Campbell was named after the myth— And it really is just a myth, people, that a bath in tomato soup will get rid of skunk smell. Get it? Campbell? Like Campbell's soup? What a great name for this little cutie. And then finally, in our births this week, the Virginia Zoo has announced the birth of a white rhino calf, the second in the zoo's history. Now, While all animals born in zoos are very important, this rhino is extra special because of her genetics. Her mom was born in Singapore and her dad in South Africa, so they both represent completely new genetics in the U.S. zoo population. Congrats to the team at the Virginia Zoo for this incredible birth. And then we move on to the other side of the coin, the deaths that we're going to talk about this week, and we only have two this week. Uh, First of all, the St. Louis Zoo has announced the passing of Donna. Donna was a 52-year-old Asian elephant. Unfortunately, Donna was diagnosed with a primary hyperparathyroidism, which was caused by a growing tumor that was not able to be removed surgically. The zoo treated the tumor medically as long as possible, but it continued to grow, and the decision to euthanize was made. Now, the median life expectancy for female Asian elephants in human care is 47.5 years, so Donna lived a long, wonderful life. Sending love to the team at the St. Louis Zoo for this incredibly tough decision. And then last but not least, Utah's Hogel Zoo has announced the passing of Haru, a female palace's cat that was beloved at the zoo. Sadly, she developed an inoperable tumor, so the team managed it as long as they could while maintaining her quality of life. But the decision had to be made to humanely euthanize her. Haru was a very important cat, not just because she had a great big personality, but because she birthed 10 kittens in her life, greatly impacting the palace's cat species survival plan. She will be greatly missed. Also, just kind of as a side note about Haru, um, the the spelling of the name was H-A-L, like the name Hal, but I guess in the um, the language of the area that Palace's cats are from, that is pronounced Haru. Uh, but it was really interesting reading that and initially thinking I was going to be talking about an animal named Hal. All right, so now we're going to move on from births and deaths, and we're going to talk about our other Zoo News subjects, uh, starting with an almost death and then moving on to actually a different birth, but of a different kind. You'll see what I mean. Uh, So we're starting off with some absolutely amazing news out of the Maryland Zoo in Baltimore. Samson, a 15-year-old African elephant, was recently diagnosed with EEHV and survived. 
Now, y'all have heard a lot about EEHV on this podcast, and it is usually fatal. And um, if you're a newer listener and don't know what I'm talking about, there's an entire episode dedicated to a discussion about this incredibly fatal disease for elephants that I cannot recommend listening to enough. It is scary and horrifying and inspiring all at once. But uh, yeah, getting back to Samson, routine blood testing led to the discovery of the virus and the elephant and veterinary teams jumped into action. Now, as you've heard on here before, teams from zoos around the country have been working super hard on creating treatments to help battle this disease. And in this case, the treatments worked. Uh, This is not just a humongous win for the Maryland Zoo and, of course, for Samson, but for all of the scientists and keepers and everyone working on combating this often very fatal disease. And then another really interesting story uh, comes to us from Brookfield Zoo. So an epaulet shark pup, uh, sharklet, obviously, has been born at Brookfield Zoo. um, But there's more to the story than just the birth. Uh, In fact, this story asks the question, what if that annoying baby shark song stopped after just two verses? That's because in this case, there is no daddy shark, do, 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 daddy shark. Anyway, 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 um, the shark in question was apparently born by parthenogenesis, as is evidenced by the fact that the mother shark has resided at the zoo since 2019 and never shared a tank with a male. So take that, SSPs and breeding racks. Ha! But uh, in general, it is not uncommon for female sharks to lay eggs that are infertile, and this shark was no exception. Starting in 2022, she would lay between two and four infertile eggs every month. However, one of the eggs was surprisingly discovered to be fertile, and so the zoo incubated it, and the pup, or again, sharklet, hatched. The sharklet is now over two months old and growing well. It is not currently on exhibit, but will be in the future, and I think it'll be cool to be able to go see the product of a virgin birth at the Brookfield Zoo. Tis the season and all that. Our friends at Elmwood Park Zoo recently took their domestic ferrets to visit the Trail of the Jaguar exhibit, where they were able to come face-to-face with animals such as jaguars, through through the glass, obviously, um, and and some of the other animals that live there. Uh, the animals were very interested in each other and had a really enjoyable experience. Props to Elmwood Park Zoo for posting a video of this enriching experience, complete with an explanation of the animal body posture and what it means, including describing the contentment and calmness exhibited by the animals in question. I feel like that probably helped stave off a lot of questions and is a very good idea, Um, but it's really cute. If you get a chance, go to, you know, Elmwood Park Zoo's social media and check out these uh, these pictures. It's, It's a very cool post. And it's a really cool enrichment idea. Yay, Elmwood Park Zoo. SeaWorld San Diego has officially announced the name of their new Emperor Penguin Chick, the incredibly rare baby bird we talked about last week. Her name, as voted on by fans, is Pearl. In general, I'm not announcing the winners of every naming contest on here, as there are so many, but Pearl is a special girl, and I just had to share. I think it's a great name. 
All right. I love this next story so much. Uh, two more orphaned mountain lion cubs have been rescued in California and taken to the Oakland Zoo for veterinary help and rehab until California Fish and Wildlife can find a permanent home for them. Now, this is something the Oakland Zoo has become incredibly good at over the last few years, taking in over 25 orphaned cougars. These cats then go on to have amazing lives at a variety of facilities, including some recent ones heading to the Philadelphia Zoo and the Columbus Zoo. And, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you have heard this story repeat over and over again. Um, But I don't know. To me, it's amazing to see every time. I am so incredibly proud of the team at the Oakland Zoo for this incredible work and this, you know, unique way to to give back to the uh, to the animals that that live in California. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. So I'm recording this podcast on Wednesday this week, and um, if you happened to turn on your television tonight, you would have seen Celebrity Jeopardy you know, assuming you were on the right channel and stuff, uh, with Macaulay Culkin uh, from the Home Alone movies um, as one of these celebrities. And uh, whenever a celebrity goes on Celebrity Jeopardy, they play for a charity. And in this case, Macaulay Culkin was playing for the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance, which I think is just incredible. So I don't know how well he did or anything like that because uh, I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But I do know that every charity that a celebrity plays for gets at least some money. So uh, good job, Macaulay Culkin. Okay, so I don't normally announce announcements about announcements, but I really wanted to say announce announcements about announcements, and I also really love the Columbus Zoo. As such, I'll let you know that the zoo has announced that they will be announcing an announcement on November 30th, where they will be unveiling new groundbreaking conservation projects locally and globally. I look forward to seeing and actually reporting on the actual announcement, but for now, I have announced the announcement. So yay that. And speaking of slightly goofy but fun and cool things, um, I always enjoy the annual mayoral race held at Connecticut's Beardsley Zoo, and this year was no exception. The new mayor of the Beardsley Zoo is Tahu the River Otter. Now, When I saw the initial candidates, I have to admit that I was hoping for an upset by Ollie, the Eastern Box Turtle. As a matter of fact, I almost promoted this last week and asked y'all to vote for Ollie and also considered asking on socials. However, I was so convinced that the River Otter would win, I didn't even bother trying to put that old Rasafari spin on it. And you know what? I screwed up, y'all. I should have asked you to vote because in the end, Ali almost pulled off the upset with Tahu winning by only 15 votes. All right, I'll take the L here. This one is on me, folks. Though, to be fair, I know I have some fans who are huge Tahu supporters, so maybe it's good that I didn't step in. Now, listen, Tahu is an adorable river otter, and I am sure her experience of raising four baby otters recently will help her keep a level head as she serves her term. 
Ali, by coming in second place, has been named deputy mayor and will step in if Tahu is unable to fulfill her duties as mayor of the zoo. And then as a final zoo news story for the week, uh, this is a quick but fun one. The San Diego Zoo Safari Park recently put up a reel of a juvenile akapi being, well, adorable. Because, you know, it's a juvenile okapi. It's an okoplet. They're adorable. The caption of the reel read, Seems like some of you got your stripes crossed, so let's set the record straight. Okapis are not mythical creatures. They were not created in a lab or pieced together like a Mary Shelley monster. These striped booty cuties are all natural and closely related to giraffes. Okapis mind their own business in the tropical rainforests of Central Africa and spend their time snacking on leaves in the lush ecosystems they call home. Now, given the amount of fun I had over the last two seasons playing with the idea that Okapi aren't real, and even going as far as to call it the faux-copy movement, uh, I figured a lot of you would get a kick out of that. Especially when I point out that Greensboro Science Center tagged me in the comments and said, at Rasafari, we told you they're real. Presentation! Presentation! News time! Oh yeah! All right, we have some incredible news out of Australia this week. And for more information, here's our good friend, Daisy Barrett, from the Trainer Talks and Tales podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Daisy from Trainer Talks and Tales, and I am back and stealing the microphone from John for this really exciting Zoo News segment. And I guess that's mainly because it's all about an Aussie native and I don't know, it just doesn't work with John's US slang. Now, just last week, a species thought to be lost for over 60 years has been found. The Attenborough's long-beaked echidna was one of the most wanted lost species and amazingly, a biodiversity training expedition team has rediscovered the egg-laying mammal in Indonesia's Cyclops Mountains. Now, they were able to actually capture the first ever photos and videos of this monotreme after spending four weeks in the forest using 80 cameras and climbing more than 36,000 feet into the mountains. Now, unfortunately, we have to remember that this species is classified as critically endangered on the ICUN red list. So this is such a huge win and a reminder of just how lucky we are to have these echidnas native to Australia and New Guinea. A massive congratulations and a huge well done to the whole team involved. Absolutely. A huge congratulations. And also to all of you listening, don't forget to make sure that you are subscribed to Trainer Talks and Tales so you can hear that amazing woman with that amazing accent and uh, her buddy Tessa talking all kinds of cool animal training stuff every week. All right, moving on from that story, Manga Bay has announced they will be launching a new bureau in Africa that will be functioning there in both French and English. Manga Bay Africa will create original reporting on issues relevant to the conservation of Africa's wildlife and their habitats, as well as on the effects of climate change on African communities. Now, Manga Bay is great at conservation news communication, uh, and I'm really excited for them to have boots on the ground in Africa now. 
All right. This next story is uh, less good than that one and the one before it. Um, but we have a call to action here at the end. So uh, stick with me. The Biden administration recently announced something called the Willow Project up in Alaska. This will be the largest oil development on U.S. soil in decades. Environmental scientists and activists have been fighting against this plan since the beginning, but late last week, a federal judge ruled that the Willow Project could continue, removing one of the last potential barriers to this disastrous project. Not only will the oil and byproducts of this project contribute to our growing climate disaster, but the land is also the habitat of species such as polar bears and seals. And uh, at this point, with little legal recourse left, experts are asking citizens to get involved by emailing the Biden administration directly. For more information on how you can help with that, please visit earthjustice.org or text the word willow to 43428, both of which will appear in the show notes. Standard text messaging rates apply. I always wanted to to say that. All right, so some good news after that story. Uh, Not all governments suck. Uh, Take, for instance, the government of the small Caribbean island Dominica. The government there is creating the first ever marine protected area for sperm whales. Now, don't worry. You got enough dare I say even too much, sperm humor last week in the elephant story for me to riff on this now. But but seriously, this is really cool. The protected area is nearly 300 square miles in an area that serves as a key nursing and feeding ground for sperm whales. It's just really amazing stuff and really great news. Oh, and speaking of the whole government's not being horrible thing, uh, which frankly seems like a novel idea in the States sometimes, the government of Kenya has created a new holiday. Every year on November 13th, Kenyans will come together to plant trees to help combat climate change. This holiday is part of the government's larger goal of planting 15 billion trees over the next 10 years and having average citizens be a big part of the effort. The government will raise seedlings in public nurseries where they can be picked up by citizens for planting on the holiday. Each citizen is encouraged to plant two trees in order to reach the goals the government has set. And again, other than the manpower of, you know, planting a small tree, there's no cost to the individuals doing this. It's just a great way to connect them with nature and make them care a little bit more on an individual level about fighting the climate crisis. Oh, okay. And while we're on the topic of governments doing good things, I guess I could throw you one more. Uh, The government of Papua New Guinea has tripled the amount of protected ocean areas around the country by creating two new marine protected areas. The new areas combine to protect just under 10,000 square miles of ocean. Isn't that incredible? 
And while it is the government that did get this done, it was actually a group of indigenous and local non-native people who combined to make this happen with a campaign lasting almost seven years. It took a lot of time. It took many people. But it got done. And I just love the story so much for that reason alone. I'm also sure that the endangered turtles, sharks, rays, and other marine life that call the newly protected areas home will love this story as well. Although, to be fair, I don't think most of them are able to listen to my podcast. On a side note, aren't you proud of me? I did a whole story about Papua New Guinea without once mentioning tree kangaroos and the fact that that's where most species of tree kangaroos live and that someday I would love to go there and work with indigenous tree kangaroos and study the different species and help them. And I just love tree kangaroos so much. Oh, well, I hope you weren't too proud of me for for accomplishing that goal because I clearly just blew it. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the podcast of the news. All right, so I debated putting this one in conservation news or in other news because um, I think it actually is going to have more of a conservation message than I even initially realized. But uh, we're throwing it in other news because at the end of the day, the story is about comedian John Oliver. Now, John hosts a um, television show that is once a week on HBO, and it is called Last Week Tonight. And it's a, a lovely show that that mostly um, deals with, you know, political stuff going on. John Oliver, if you don't recognize the name, uh, got famous as a correspondent on The Daily Show. So um, <laughs> John Oliver discovered a um, a competition for Bird of the Year that is held every year in New Zealand by Forest and Bird, which is a conservation organization in New Zealand. And it is a, um, a contest where people can vote on their favorite birds. And, uh, you know, every year there's a bird named the Bird of the Year. But this year was a special competition because New Zealand was naming not just the bird of the year, but the bird of the century. So uh, John Oliver took an interest in one particular bird that was in the competition and actually asked Forrest and Bird if uh, he and his staff could campaign for the Puteki Teki, a native water bird with a distinctive black-brown frill around its neck. And the group agreed. So um, John Oliver, who is very ridiculous and takes things very far, um, decided to really run with this idea. So he did a segment on Last Week Tonight hyping the Puteki Teki, and he also took out billboard ads for people to vote for the bird in New Zealand, in the U.S., 
in India, in Japan, and even like in smaller little countries and and even in the places that he he put up billboards, it wasn't like just in big cities. He picked these like small little towns and just put up random billboards telling people to go to this website and vote for the Puteki Teki. And um, he also appeared on the uh, Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon not only to encourage people to vote for the Puteki Teki, but uh, dressed up as a Puteki Teki. I highly recommend that you look up video of John Oliver with his wonderful British accent wearing a full-on Puteki Teki costume, uh, including having a large beak that he almost stabs Jimmy Fallon with repeatedly um, on, on The Tonight Show. It's, it is hilarious um and yeah the uh the puteki teki officially won the contest with a whopping 290,374 votes uh to give you an idea the uh the second place runner-up if you will was the north island brown kiwi which got only 12,904 votes and winners in previous years often only got a couple thousand votes so um this was a huge victory and while i think it's funny and while I think the Puteki Teki is, uh, you know, a very worthwhile bird, it's an endangered species, there are not a lot of them left, which I guess I didn't need to say because I just said it's an endangered species and you guys know what that means. Uh, but anyway, um, it was a really fun, really cool story. And uh, as as John put it himself, he, he said, you know, what is uh, more American than interfering in foreign elections, which cracked me up. But the truth is, John Oliver got hundreds of thousands of people to vote in this contest where they went to a website where they learned about an endangered species. And um, a lot of the other birds got votes too. Like I said, numbers were up way higher than expected for other birds too, meaning people were actually out there learning about endangered birds and learning about this contest. And uh, yeah, I just think that's a really beautiful thing. But again, the most beautiful thing is honestly just seeing John Oliver dressed up as a Puteki Teki on The Tonight Show. Go check it out. And also, um, frankly, the fact that I now not only know what a Puteki Teki is, but can say Puteki Teki repeatedly without ever stumbling over it because I've heard it said so many times thanks to this little effort. All right, now for a less goofy story. Well, it's still kind of goofy, but in a different way. Uh, there are two new laws uh, that are being proposed in New Hampshire right now. Both pertain to kangaroos because of course when one thinks new hampshire what else would one think of but kangaroos right um somehow i have the feeling daisy might have something to say about that but yeah um so one of the bills proposes letting people in the state own kangaroos as pets great idea exotic animals that can kick your butt make great pets 10 out of 10 idea no notes the other law would legalize kangaroo farming for use as food. Uh, hopefully not the same kangaroos as eating your pets is probably a pretty 
sad experience, uh, but but I digress. Um, yeah, so uh, both of these laws have been proposed because at the end of the day, New Hampshire is going to New Hampshire. On a side note, some members of the press interviewed people who said that they would consider getting a pet kangaroo um, if this law passed. And uh, they, they followed up and asked, well, why? Why would you want a pet kangaroo? And no joke, the uh, most commonly given answer was, and I quote, why not? Brilliant, brilliant stuff. And then last but not least, in other news this week, uh, in Italy, a lion escaped from a circus and was found prowling the streets of Latispoli, a small town near Rome, before the owners of the circus were able to use his geolocator to track him down, sedate him, and return him to the circus. Citizens in the town were told to shelter in place for a few hours until the lion was returned to the circus. The lion was examined upon return and was found to be in generally good shape, though he was frightened and in a state of mild hypothermia. Police are currently investigating the situation, as they believe the lion was released on purpose, possibly by an ill-informed animal rights activist who thought he was doing the lion a favor. Now, again, that's still being investigated. It is a belief and not a certainty, but uh, I cannot roll my eyes hard enough. Man, sometimes people just gonna people. Oh, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays, animal, oh, animal, animal holidays, hey! All right, and that brings us to our animal holidays for the week. November, which we are still in, is Manatee Awareness Month, and this weekend wraps up Orangutan Caring Week. Now, for our individual days, well, we actually only have one, which is World Fisheries Day on Tuesday, November 21st. But hey, remember that if you're in the United States, Thursday the 23rd is Thanksgiving, which is actually my favorite holiday, which people think is really weird, uh, but I'm not a particularly religious person. And while I love the family get-togethers around things like Christmas and stuff, there's also a lot of pressure with um, gift-giving and all of that stuff. Uh, I think Thanksgiving is just like, um, you know, a pretty cool day, at least how we do it in my family, get together with some family, eat some food, have a good time, no real hassles, no real pressure, football on the TV all day, and also a traditional Thanksgiving meal that incorporates turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes and corn and pumpkin pie is literally my favorite meal in the world possibly outside of like some Indian cuisine and soft pretzels, which people tell me do not constitute a meal, soft pretzels, but uh, I think they're lying. But anyway, yeah, so uh, I hope that everybody uh, who listens and, and is in the States and celebrates and all that stuff has a wonderful Thanksgiving. And for the rest of y'all out there in the world, uh, you could still go eat some turkey. I mean, it's got to be better than a uh, New Hampshire kangaroo. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so there you have it, folks. Rasafari Zoo News done in a hotel room at a really awkward hour. You're welcome. I'd like to say thank you to my Red Panda level patrons, Dr. Lara Schenk, Dr. Stephen Williamson, and Barbara Bennett, and also to all of my patrons, and to remind you, if you're listening right now, that you can help support the podcast for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Safari. I'd also like to thank everyone who contributed stories to Zoo News this week. And don't forget, that can be you by tagging me uh, in stories on socials at Rossafari or at Rossafari Pod on TikTok or emailing them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. The people who did that this week are Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley Croninger, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Liz Dunlevy, Kevin Williams, Karen Musklow. Now, those of you who listen regularly might think, don't you mean Karen Musklow? But no, it's Karen Musklow. I've been saying it wrong this whole time, and she just told me. Proof that she's very sweet and I'm a horrible human. Anyway, moving on. Crystal Chapman, Jacob Zinn, Lisa Clare, Emily Rockbuck, Jay Meredith, Ali Malinsky, Kay Malinsky, Dr. Laura Shank, Sam Evans, Becca Robinson, and Daisy Barrett. And don't forget, Malenskis. I didn't forget. The Malenskis. Anyway, and uh, that brings us to our last reminder, which is a real important one, that the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. All right. This le- uh,